Chapter Four of the Ghost Girl by Henry Kitchell Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four What Geoffrey Saw. I didn't wait for anything more. I went straight out and questioned the concierge, asked him if anyone had come in inquiring for me, or if anyone had just gone out. He said no to both questions. Well, I said someone has been in my studio there was a light burning when i came in the imbecile asked me if i hadn't left the light there myself i said no that i had gone away at noon and besides the light was out when i got to the studio then he said possibly what monsieur saw was a reflection i told him a reflection didn't leave a smell of hot tallow behind it at that he shrugged his shoulders and suggested i report my losses to the police i don't know that i've lost anything said i and at that he gave me up for a maniac i went back to the studio and found that i hadn't lost anything nothing had even been disturbed but i felt perfectly sure i can't tell you how that somebody had been sitting in my big chair probably for a good while it was clear i'd have to solve the mystery for myself if i made any complaint or tried to provoke an official investigation i'd probably bring up in the madhouse look here geoffrey i cried what about the other apartment the one that corresponded to yours on the other side of the court didn't you say that the end walls of the two studios came together couldn't she have gone couldn't who said geoffrey she the woman that was in your studio the ghost girl whatever she was that's queer said geoffrey i haven't told you that i thought she was a woman a young woman too but i always thought of her that way even then i even called her the ghost girl then there's nothing queer about it said i the handkerchief made me think of a young woman Geoffrey gave a short laugh. That shows what a fool I am, said he. I was getting ready to build another little ghost story out of that. Go on. What were you going to ask? You said the same iron stairs served both studio doors. Well, then, why couldn't she have slipped out of your door and into the other one? There'd be time enough for that. Because I thought of that, said Geoffrey almost at once and i suppose that's the explanation that you'll stick to when i've told you everything although i don't believe it one single minute myself the people who occupied that apartment were an english family named williamson i don't know so very much about him so far as his life is concerned but we were very pleasant acquaintances i met him as soon as i took the studio they are the most commonplace people in the world williamson himself is a retired english doctor a chap in his fifties hard-headed straightforward thoroughly good sort he had a wife and daughter there with him they were living in paris so she could study art she had about as much chance of doing anything at it as a dog has to learn to sing she was a pleasant hard-headed young little old maid of about twenty she worked very industriously in her studio and i developed my talent for fiction to the last notch 
thinking up things to say about her work when she showed it to me well those three williamsons were simply out of the question that night that i saw the light in my studio there was a light in theirs they generally spent their evenings there i went straight over told them someone had been rummaging around my diggings and asked if they had heard anything through the wall they were interested of course and mrs williamson got quite excited over the idea of robbers and wanted to know if i had lost anything they had been in their studio all the evening now you can say it might have been one of them and i can't prove that it wasn't but all the same the notion is inconceivable i agree with you said i go on what happened next there wasn't anything very different up to the time you and madeline came to visit me said geoffrey two or three other experiences more or less like the one i have told you about one night when i was in bed i don't know whether i was asleep or not i wasn't sleeping well then but i waked up if i had been asleep with the idea that i had seen someone go by my bedroom door i wasted two or three minutes i'll admit lying still in a sweating terror trying to convince myself it had been a dream and then i heard the studio door shut i got up and lighted all the lights and looked around but i didn't find anything the whole thing may have been a dream but the handkerchief we found on the floor wasn't a dream and i'm sure it had been dropped while we were out that was the first tangible clue i got the first thing that i couldn't reason away on the theory of imagination when i was in good form i went up one night to call on the man who'd rented me the studio in the hopes of finding out what his experiences had been but he was mum as an oyster and tried to pump me williamson spoke of it again once and asked me if i'd seen or heard anything more and i told him no I didn't feel like showing him what an ass I was, and I knew I couldn't start talking about it without giving away the whole thing. It's awfully queer, of course, I said dubiously, but I haven't begun the story yet, said Geoffrey. The real story. But here's where it begins. Now, listen, and if you want to call in an alienist when I get through, why, go ahead but let me tell the thing connectedly first a couple of weeks after you and madeline left paris i got a note from the muirheads suggesting that i pack up my colour box and come down to a topo for a few days they were having a lovely time painting winter skies and things and they wanted to let me in on it i was glad of an excuse to get away so i went i did those sketches i showed you the only real work I've got to show for the whole rotten winter, and went back to Paris feeling that I'd got rid of the cobwebs. I reached the studio about two in the afternoon, a bright clear day. I was feeling as well, as little liable to any imaginative delusions, as it is possible to imagine anyone. I went into my apartment, got rid of my traps, and went down into the studio. Now this is what I saw one of my easels had been drawn out into the middle of the room there was a canvas on it that had been painted there was a low stool in front of it where the painter had sat to the left of it was one of my chairs just an ordinary straight-backed chair with a mirror of mine standing on it 
an old mirror in a carved gilt frame with a sort of ornamental top on it all around the stool on the floor were brushes and tubes of my colours there was a palette on the chair leaning up against the mirror but the canvas i asked for he had hesitated there for a moment what was on the canvas Jeffrey got up and drew a long breath his teeth were clenched as if they wanted to chatter and he talked through them in a sort of dogged matter-of-fact way on the canvas he said was a carefully painted portrait of a very beautiful young girl young oh i should say in her middle twenties it must have taken two or three sittings three anyway of pretty fast skilful painting to have carried it as far as it was the last of them must have been that very morning because part of the paint on the canvas was wet it hadn't even dried on the palette the thing was obviously a portrait of the painter the outline of the rim of the palette showed in the lower part of the canvas but as if held in the right hand as of course it always is when you sit down in front of the mirror and paint a portrait of yourself she had even indicated the frame of the mirror on the canvas it was all perfectly solid and real as i said the thing was well painted though not brilliantly nor trickily at all an excellent an extraordinarily talented piece of work it wasn't completed in fact part of the canvas wasn't covered at all it was one of my canvases a grey one like that blank i turned around just now well you had something tangible to go on at last said i what did you do it was hard to decide what to do said Geoffrey. i didn't go up in the air at all the fact that i had something tangible was in its way a sort of relief and i still think what i decided was the best thing i could do and that was just to stay there in that studio until something happened i made up my mind not to leave the room for more than thirty seconds until that mysterious painter he stopped and gave a shivering little laugh the ghost girl came back i thought she would come back and that before many hours well i waited spent most of the time smoking staring at the portrait i learned it learned every brush stroke in it i could repaint it now from memory i stayed there for thirty-six hours without leaving the room but once that time i went up to my kitchenette and got a box of biscuits i wasn't gone more than half a minute and everything was just as i had left it when i came back but thirty-six hours later that was at two in the morning my endurance gave out and i lay down on my divan there in the studio for what i thought to be a catnap i'm a light sleeper i didn't think it was possible for anyone to get into that room without waking me instantly i suppose i slept pretty hard when i wakened it was ten o'clock the next morning and the portrait i asked the portrait was gone the mirror the easel the stool were all back in their places even my palette and brushes were back on the table where i'd left them when i started for a topple i hadn't a thing to show no way of proving to anybody except myself that i hadn't dreamed the whole thing 
thank god i could prove it to myself the colours that were left on the palette were not the ones that had been on it when i went away that i am ready to swear unless i'm crazy what is your opinion about it do you want to call a taxi and take me up to bellevue you haven't heard it all but perhaps you've heard enough no i want it all said i everything that you can remember every detail no matter how irrelevant it seems to you i rather think said geoffrey that what i've told you is all so far as the paris mystery goes i'm really satisfied that the adventure on the bridge was pure imagination and nothing else in point of fact it might have been a dream never mind said i i want dreams and all why the night before i left paris said geoffrey that was about the middle of march a warm night like spring i hadn't been able to sleep about four o'clock in the morning i dressed and went out wandered around it must have been about five when i brought up on the point royale the air was very thick with mist i had on a raincoat i remember instead of an overcoat and the steam in that warm air condensed and trickled down as if it had really been raining it was a lovely sight there was a fag end of a moon trying to light up in the mist and it made every smooth horizontal surface shine like silver the flat decks of the barges in the river it was all very restful and still i seemed to have the world to myself for a few minutes but very soon a woman came along stopped and leaned against the rail close beside me i supposed she was someone who had marked me as possible game and had been following along waiting for a good chance to speak to me i was about to move away when i noticed that she seemed perfectly unconscious of my presence i couldn't see her face at all just a shape she was all wrapped up in one of those rainproof cloaks with a hood and the hood pulled up over her head she stayed there a long time staring down at the river and the boats just as i had been doing before she came the funny thing was that her being there made me uncomfortable it was a little bit like a nightmare perhaps it was really a nightmare because i wanted to go away and i couldn't i didn't want to speak to her and yet it seemed that i must presently i heard footsteps and that seemed to break the spell a little they were coming from behind me so i turned to look there were a couple of gendarmes tramping along on their route i heard a little movement beside me and turned to look at the girl the sound had attracted her attention too she was looking in my direction but she wasn't looking at me at all just in the direction of the sound and the hood had fallen back from her head and well she was the girl of the portrait the ghost girl and i felt then as if i'd known it was she from the moment i saw her standing there she didn't make a sound but her eyes widened a little as the gendarmes came near and she turned and fled away and vanished in the mist when they came opposite me they slowed down and looked at me a bit curiously and passed on they didn't pay any attention to the girl i suppose the explanation is that i fell asleep there on the bridge and dreamed about the girl as i often did dream about her and that the coming of the gendarmes waked me up well 
said i let us be thankful for a reasonable explanation where we can get one undoubtedly that is the explanation in this case Geoffrey drew a long unsteady breath i wish i could say undoubtedly in that tone of voice about anything drew people can talk all they like about the tortures of the inquisition and so on but the most exquisite torture in the world is a doubt about the validity of your own observations that's the thing that's driving me pretty near crazy i can't trust my own sense any more don't exaggerate i said sharply i don't doubt anything that you have reported to me i can't explain it i'll agree but there is an explanation we may find it out some day or we may never find it out but the thing really happened i'm going to stick to that and i want you to i don't know he said i haven't told you yet i've been afraid to tell you because when i tell you you won't believe any more than i do listen to this dr crow comes around and arranges for me to paint a portrait for miss meredith from a photograph a photograph of a girl who's dead and he takes the photograph out of its paper wrapping and shows it to me and what do you suppose i see there whose face drew guess guess whose face that was i stared at him and my own dry throat could hardly utter the question the wild fantastic question his words suggested not not i whispered he nodded the same face the very same face that i had seen on the bridge that i'd found painted during my absence there in my studio the face that had been reflected in my old mirror while the sitter herself painted it he stood up and thrust out his hands at me with a kind of feverish energy do you believe me now haven't you any misgivings yourself haven't you got right now in the back of your head the idea that you'll run around and talk to pritchard or foster or some other of those big nerve and insanity specialists that shot of his came uncannily near the mark but i thrust the misgiving out of my mind as soon as it showed itself there not a bit of it said i but you will be a patient for one of those fellows if you let yourself go like this look here you painted the portrait from that photograph didn't you you could see straight enough to put it on canvas and to satisfy miss meredith with the result oh my eyes and hands are all right said Geoffrey. if there's a kink anywhere it's farther inside than that you say it was miss meredith's niece you painted a portrait of how recent was the photograph Geoffrey gave a laugh that was half a shiver well that's the last question he said that brings out the whole tale the photograph drew was taken in paris four years ago it was three years ago that the girl died she died in paris of smallpox during the epidemic three years ago and well you can verify the other date yourself it was two years ago that you and madeline visited paris wasn't it you're quite sure of that there was a ring at the door just then and we heard togo the jap admitting someone into the ante-room chapter four